0: Give Us This Day is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson appointed for the morning office from the Book of Common Prayer, 1928. These devotionals are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Tyler, Texas. Father Charles' devotionals can be found both in print and online.
1: Today is Friday of the 20th, Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 through 11.
0: Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after— they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows but thou o man of god flee these things and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness
1: we live in a bipolar country that has on the one hand unparalleled worldly success measured by physical comfort and luxury and on the other hand has unparalleled unhappiness could almost say that the U.S. has been a grand experiment in finding happiness in worldly things. That experiment is a manifest failure. I seem to remember Solomon conducting the same experiment 3,000 years ago, but then again, his results weren't published in the Journal of Reproducible Results for us to believe. Of course, if we listened to what St. Paul had to say 2,000 years ago, we would have known the outcome ahead of time. For we brought nothing into this world, Paul says, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Our riches are so fleeting. They will be absolutely meaningless and worthless to us the minute we die, and they are a great deal less useful to us than we think, even when we are alive. Even worse, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verses 9 through 10. What are these snares? Riches have the potential to make us worshippers of mammon instead of God. The problem is we can only serve one of them. Riches often make us lust after more riches, and the things our riches can buy. Our hearts and minds and bodies are given to seeking the good things in life apart from their giver, as Jesus himself taught us. What good is it if we gain the world but lose our souls? Those who pursue riches are in just such danger. This thing is, you don't have to be the super-rich to qualify for such temptations and dangers. The vast majority of Americans are easily rich enough to qualify. The truth is that Americans, at the beginning of the 21st century, are the richest people with the greatest luxury the world has ever known. Contrary to the many false reports, by almost every physical and material measure, Americans are better off and more prosperous than ever before. Our median income is 32% higher than in the 60s, and the average net worth is up 85% compared to the 60s and my statistics are more than a decade old. We can have our knees replaced even in our 80s when our grandparents had to suffer through bad knees if they even lived long enough to have them. The average new home is 2,200 square feet, while in 1960 it was around 1,100. And the typical American home has 5.3 rooms for 2.6 people. 95% of American dwellings are centrally heated, compared to 15% in our grandparents' generation. And 78% have air conditioning, compared to 0%. What shall I say, time fails me to mention personal computers and the internet, smartphones, household TVs, sanitation, antibiotics, etc. The grand irony of it all is that riches so often lead to sorrow. The number of people who say they are very happy has declined since the 1950s. Most notably, there has been a huge upturn in the number of people who are depressed. And a very large number of people think their lives are getting worse materially, and that their children will not have life as good, even when in terms of earthly riches, this is false. In contrast to all this, St. Paul simply says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The root problem of our discontentment with life is our discontentment with God and his good gifts. We are the victim of our own greed and covetousness, and we are too often unhappy because we don't have what we desired. If investment advisors assure us we can make 15% per year in the stock market forever, which they routinely did in the 1990s, and we end up making 8% a year, we all feel cheated. If my house is a mansion by the standards of the world, but isn't the one I really wanted to be able to afford, I am unhappy. My body aches or is worn out, and the doctors can't fix it, and fix it now, and at no cost because someone else will pay for it, I am mad at them for their failings. In fact, I think it is only because contemporary health care is so extremely good that we complain so much. Only because we have found remedies and relief for so many ailments, and can pay for it because of insurance, do we actually dare to dream of a health care system, in which all of our physical ills are cured at virtually no visible expense. And that is what Americans really want from our health care system. We are so used to getting good things, that even when we don't get it all at no cost, we are discontented and unhappy. This is exactly how we treat the goodness of God in our lives. Instead of thanking God for all of his incredible gifts, we complain because of the good ones he has not given us. What is lacking in our lives is not the goodness of God, but our own thankfulness to God. Paul taught in 1 Timothy 4.4 that every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused, but only if it is received with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is essential because you only thank someone who has given you something. I don't say, Why, thank me for existing today, Charles, and while I'm at it, thank me for how handsome I am and how well I've done for myself. Actually, we do say this last one, don't we? All things are clean, including money, but only if they are received with thanksgiving. Only if you acknowledge that the good things in your life are from God, we will be able to use them without being seduced by either them or your own pride. The sacramental worldview which Paul teaches is beneficial in producing contentment in all things. I find that if I can see Jesus Christ in all of his good gifts to me, if I can learn to experience God's presence in all things, then I am content in all things. My riches and material comforts never come unattached. Attached to every one of them is God the good giver. All my suffering and woes never come unattached. Attached to every one of them is the one who promises to bear my cross and to strengthen me, so that I can joyfully accept all he has graciously allowed me to bear. If only we would recognize that every circumstance of our lives, both pleasant and unpleasant, are meant by God for our good, to lead us closer to him, we would solve the problem of unhappiness and, more properly, unjoyfulness. Our contentment at the end of each day and at the end of our lives ought to be not in the material riches we have accumulated, but in the spiritual ones. What ought to bring us true peace and joy is the contentment that comes from a godly life, such as Paul prescribed for Timothy and us. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Where Jesus is, there is joy. Where God is acknowledged, there is contentment and peace that surpasses all understanding.
0: This has been a presentation of Always With Christ Radio. Radio in the Anglican Way.